Dispatch. Packets of fire all around. Dear Chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. Hey, we love talking to new people on this podcast, but having a fellow firewife on the show is always a little more special for us. So today we have Christy Hilmer on the show. Hi, Christy. Christy is a firewife, former nurse, and mom of three. On November 8th, 2018, a massive wildfire tore through the town of Paradise where Christy and her family lived. Since then, it has been deemed one of the deadliest wildfires in California history. About 89 people passed away that day. Christy's husband was a paramedic at the time and was on shift that day helping to evacuate civilians while Christy evacuated their kids and dogs before the fire destroyed their home. After that, her husband went all in and went to the fire academy. Then COVID hit and the family went through the fire academy and trying to homeschool three children in a new town. And then shortly after that, the family decided to uproot and move to Texas where her husband is now a full-time firefighter and Christy runs an at-home business with Arbonne while raising their kids and taking care of their pets. Christy also helps new families starting in their EMS journey and gives them techniques on how to survive the beginning stages of life with a first responder. Oh gosh, if I had only had somebody telling me what to do when my husband had first started out in the department. Right, absolutely. (laughs) Gosh. So we're just going to kick it off with that then. You're going to tell us some of the techniques that you use to survive the fire life. Right. And even some of it too is with paramedics because, you know, a lot of times in different states, they're separate. There's a paramedic where there's a firehouse where they're combined. And for a long time, I thought because he was a paramedic that we weren't in the same category. Right. But it's all the same. Like it's all EMS and deadly jobs and all the stress and all the things that come. So a lot of this is, you know, I have no special degrees. A lot of times I tell people it's not really any advice that I give. It's just more of life experience and things that have worked well or have not worked well and trial by error and all of those things. Um, But one of the things that we have done that really helped um, our marriage, our relationship, all of it is it's called couch time. It's just what we've called it. It's not exactly maybe what y'all think. But the first half hour after he comes home off of a shift, whether it's 24, 48, 96, you know, back then we did the Kelly schedule, which sucked. That's my least favorite. But for 30 minutes, we just put everything aside. We put the kids in front of a television or a tablet or, you know, the things that maybe we're not supposed to do or we get told we're not supposed to do. That was our time to connect after he had this crazy shift or anything was happening between family life and um, his work life. And I got to tell him updates and he got to tell me updates. And it has really helped because it's given him a sense of this is what I can do. And I know this is coming and I can debrief at home. And then it's given me a sense if I can't talk to him for 48 hours that, okay, this is coming and we're going to be able to have that conversation and connect. So that's the biggest one that I tell everybody when they start this journey. So that's one of them. The next thing is really it's mindset. And this is one that I had learned really through even being an entrepreneur, through, you know, nursing, through marriage, through all of it 
is I can flip the script in what I'm saying, right? And so instead of like, oh, I have to do this, it's I get to do this, or really managing the expectations in my own mind, right? Of Okay, well, taking out the garbage is dad's job. Well, it's all of our jobs, right? And so it's just kind of the mindset and the expectation of what our life is going to be like, and then also of the communication piece, right? Of, okay, this is your job, this is my job, but this is really our shared jobs and roles. And really the, this is what I get to do. And that really stems from our experience, right? Of being a fire survivor um, in something like this is that we get to have that experience in the back of our heads, right? Like, okay, this is what we went through and this is what daddy's doing. It's he's helping people not go through that or he's helping people manage that experience, if that makes sense. And so that's been a really cool shift, I would say, in in our life. And then really another one is create your tribe. You know, I hear a lot of times people say, find your tribe or find your community. And it's like, just go create it. Like we can just go find those people. One of the things I'm working with at his station right now is connecting some of the fire wives or spouses, partners, you know, and helping us all connect so that we have that support. And so I think sometimes when we're like, okay, go find it it's really a little bit tricky. Like, where do I start? So let's just create it. Let's go have conversations and meet people and create those people that are going to be our support while we, you know, have a different life than a lot of people have. And then this one was a really interesting one. I don't know if you guys had this happen when you had little kids in the fire service, but it was the who's more tired game. (laughs) That is a big one. Uh, Because I was like, I'm home with the kids. I worked, you know, 12 hour shift and then had the baby up all night or different things. And he was coming home and he uh, was like, I was up all night and I was helping, you know, somebody cracked out on meth or, you know, whatever it was. And we had to really get into this. Okay, this can't be a game we play is who's more tired. Like we both are tired. It's a different kind of tired. And there's not one that's more right or more wrong, right? We just had to kind of go through that. And I guess the last one I'll kind of wrap up with is not to complain or bash your husband around a bunch of people, right? Like I think sometimes we want to fit in. And so we're like, oh, my husband does this, or he does this, or especially when you hear somebody that's not in this world and they're like, oh, my husband, you know, comes home every day for lunch or whatever it is. I just feel like what we tell ourselves is what then our mind can think, right? Or then what we believe. And so why even start with that? And so I really work hard and I'm for sure not perfect at this, but I work really hard at saying uplifting things or just not getting caught in that cycle of either gossip or the complaining. I think it just happens a lot of times by accident. You know, we have to really just be aware and say, you know, actually that's not how he is or, you know, that's not what he does or that sort of thing. Oh, I guess there's one more I'll tell you. One of the first things I heard when we first started this journey was go visit the fire station because when you see them go on a call, it reminds us why we do what we do. And that didn't really hit me until I had, you know, three kids, five and under. My husband got mandoed. We were at Home Depot because we were going to have a barbecue. So I had to go get the extra like wood chips, right? You know, all the things that then we get to end up doing. And there was this man, all my kids are screaming, you know, they're like five, three and a newborn, I think. And they're screaming. We're trying to figure out these pellets. And this older gentleman comes up and he says, you know, what can I do? Or like, what are you looking for? And so I was describing the kind of wood chips or whatever it was that I was looking for. And I was like, my husband got me into these, the firefighter, this and that. And he stopped me and he just said, thank you. He's like, thank you for what you're doing 
so that he can go help because he had a situation where a firefighter saved one of his family members. And it really hit me that, yes, we're a part of this, right? Like this is something we do so they can do that. And it's a really cool thing. And so when we get to see them go on a call, it helps remind us why we do what we do. Yep, absolutely. We're gonna switch gears. And um, so, you know, a lot of fire families who lost their homes in the Paradise Fire. And your husband's probably fought that fire because you're not that far from Paradise, right? Mine did not. I was not on that strike team. There were others from his department on that strike team, but not mine. But um, we do have friends that lost homes and yeah, it was devastating. So if you're comfortable, we'd like to hear your story. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a paramedic at the time. He was working one of the busiest stations in the county up in Butte County. And they were doing the Kelly schedule. Like I had said, the 24, it's a horrible schedule. I hope they get rid of that and it never comes back. But so he was on shift that day and we, I think my kids were seven, five and three, or maybe eight, six and three, something like that. And so we were getting ready our normal day, you know, headed to school. And my oldest daughter ran downstairs And she was like, mom, it's green outside. Like there's a rainbow or something's weird outside. Like she couldn't really put into words what she was seeing. And so I went over to the window and looked and it was just this green haze. And I don't know if you guys remember that day, but it was so windy, which is what created the fire to have such massive spread but the pine needles would hit our roof and it sounded like rain. And so she in her little brain was like, it's green, it's a rainbow, it's raining. And it looked odd enough. You know, we weren't unfamiliar to fires there. We'd been evacuated before. And so I knew that there was something happening. So, you know, I called my husband. I'm like, where's the fire? And at that point, no one really knew anything. And so he's like, we haven't been told. We don't know what's happening. So then I go, you know, where we get all of our news and I go to Facebook. <laughs> like, What's happening? And everyone was like, there's a fire, there's a fire, but no one really knew where. So eventually we get told, you know, it was down this big canyon and it was just the perfect storm, right? Because the canyon, they couldn't reach it. It was massive winds. It was, you know, had been so dry. We were in fire season in November, which didn't used to happen. So I knew that it was going to be bad. Like I just had this gut feeling. And it's one of those things that I for sure know that we had someone watching us because I filled up my tank of gas like the night before, which I never do. I was like an empty girl, which I'm not anymore, (laughs) but I had filled that up. And so I called my husband and I was like, I think I'm probably being paranoid, but I'm not sending the kids to school because my thought was if, if my kids are at school and there's a fire, there's no way in hell I am not going to be with them. Like I am going to get them and I, that's not a possibility. So then I kept them home and it just kept getting worse. We got more phone calls and I just knew like, knew like I knew, like I knew, like it is time to go. There weren't any flames around our house at that point. And we had even picked our location of where we lived to where we had two exits. Because that was the big thing with Paradise is there was one exit in and out in the mountain town. And so we lived where we lived so we could have two. And my backup exit is where the fire was coming. So we ended up going the other way. And we are just very fortunate that we left and we didn't have to drive through flames. We didn't have to go through any of that. Um, But I do remember I was going back in. I told the kids, I said, okay, grab whatever you can't live without. And so it's a really interesting little experiment to see what your kids bring. You know, my oldest had a couple art projects, like two pajama tops, and I think like a necklace. And then my middle grabbed, she's, and she still to this day is the most organized of them all, but she grabbed, you know, three pairs of outfits and her favorite baby doll. And like, she was a little bit more coordinated. And then my son, who had just turned three, 
he grabbed um, the tub of goldfish crackers. <laughs> so this shows you their priorities. <laughs> um, so he grabbed those. And then I was going to go back in the house for one more thing. I didn't grab anything except um, we had just gone on a trip to Jamaica through my company. And so I was able to have our passports and birth certificates were right there. That is all I grabbed. So I was heading back in and our dog stood or like sat right in front of the door and barked at me like he was and acted like he was going to bite me, which is not his personality. And I remember vividly sitting there, the kids are in the car yelling at the dog. Like, if I have to leave you, I'm going to leave you. Like, I'll pick my kids over you if I have to, but get in the car. And he did. And I honestly think he was just protecting me from going back in. Because what we found out later after people were driving by our property, because we were right by the hospital, is that after we left, our home was demolished in eight minutes. And so it went from no flame to gone in that amount of time. And so we were just so, so very fortunate. So we left and went to Trader Joe's <laughs> down in Chico, which was a smaller town. Because, you know, just, I guess, go out of habit and go where you go. And trying to figure this all out. And at that point, we then knew how bad it was. We were getting phone calls of people that were trapped. They were calling me like, how do I get out? What do I do? You know, do you have any information? My kids are like, is this friend alive? Is that friend alive? Like, what's happening? Is daddy going to die? You know, all of those things that, yes, they know how severe their dad's job is. But mortality was really thrown in their face that day. Like, yes, they weren't in flame, but they knew a lot of people they loved were in flames. And so it was really just kind of survival. And because my background's in medicine, I guess you could say, like, I was just in triage mode, you know, in crisis mode. And then it was pitch black. Like, I remember being in Trader Joe's. It was pitch black. I'm sitting there watching everyone go around me like they have no idea what is happening. Like they don't know what's going on right now. And it was a really surreal feeling. And at that point, then we decided that we were going to actually go to one of our good friends that lived up on top of Cherokee Hill um, or the Table Mountain because they had actually lost their house in a fire the year before. And so I was like, okay, that's where we're going to go because they're going to know what to do. Like they'll have been through this before. And I called my husband to keep him updated. And at that point, he was like, you are not going there. Like this fire is going to get there you are going somewhere else. And so we went um, to Durham. But at that point, we had been in the, hour, in the car for about eight hours. And it was just pitch black ash everywhere. And so we get to their house, we find out our house is gone. And I know a lot of people weren't fortunate to really know that for a few weeks. But because my husband was up there, we got to see that it was gone and had proof. So I was on the phone with the insurance before they even knew what was happening which was really helpful because it got to speed up our process. And then at that point, the fire was threatening the town that we were in and they were comfortable staying. It's a, you know, farming town. So they've got a ton of sprinkler, you know, so they were all safe or felt safe and it didn't end up coming to them. But I was like, peace out. Like if I have to evacuate a third time, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> so I packed them up. The phones were totally down. GPS was down. It's pitch black. It smells like smoke. So you're taking, having to take these back roads and it's this, you know, farming country town and there's no lights, nothing like that or any, you can't even see like what you normally would be able to tell. So I found my way and I took a very long way to do this, which is kind of my personality because I'm not great with directions to begin with. But I found this way, got to 99 up to I-5 and headed down to Sacramento. And then we stayed there ever since because I just knew it was going to be so hard to find housing 
you know, with the whole town that was displaced. My husband did get to come and we got to tell our kids together that they lost their house and that didn't bother them as much. It was when they said, is our school still there? That they lost it because it was more like our whole life is gone. So that was kind of, that's it in a nutshell, I guess you could say. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack there. I think it's really interesting to me that you said you picked your house so you knew there would be two exits. And I don't know, I have a feeling this is a first responder family thing because when my husband and I talk about moving, we're very specific about exits, Mm -hmm. mountains, fire danger, all of those things. Those are always like the forefront of our decision making is like, even when we're planning like trips or anything, I'm always like, okay, well, I don't like that place because I'm not familiar with it. How many fires have they had there? Like there's certain places I won't go to. So it just kind of, it's always interesting to me to hear other fire families think like that because I always think I'm crazy for feeling that way. <laughs> not at all. When we bought our, our house a couple years ago, Audra, the first thing I did was say, where's the defensible space? Like that was the first, because we live in a wooded area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I can't plant a lawn, if I can't get my trees cut back and there's not 300 feet around my house, we ain't living yep. there. Like, yep. It's not happening. And how fast can I get out of here? Where's the exits? Like if I had to, could I create my own road? Like, yep. You know, exactly. Yeah. And those are like the first things, especially after having, you know, Redwood Valley happen and then paradise. So a little close to home for us. Um, I don't know if you know, we live in Fort Bragg, California. So you know how close that is to Chico paradise. Yes. Um, So when you say it was dark, it was dark here too. Yes. Pitch black outside. You could not see the sun in Fort Bragg. Yes. I, I remember I actually I actually saw the video this morning. Um, I sent a video to my husband that morning of the smoke and you couldn't see the ocean. I mean, it was that bad. So so crazy. So the kids lost not only their house, but their school. And I would never even think to like correlate the two as a, a major loss. But that makes a lot of sense to me now because that's basically their entire existence. Yeah. And they were so little that that mm-hmm. is, you know, like now they're oh, older, they have sports, they've got, you know, other things, but that was all they knew. Mm-hmm. So, and then were they able to talk to dad at all or were you just communicating with them? We, they did a little bit and mm-hmm. there was um, the best thing that could have happened that whole day was that they let him come and tell them so like he came in an ambulance and talked to them for like 15 minutes and then went back because they actually had pulled him to be instant command he was one of the ambulances on the way to uh, feather river hospital it's actually a moment we were driving i was like kids we've got to pray like something's happening we've got to pray and at that moment he got a phone call to turn around and go to incident command so the unfortunate part was he was you know, overhearing and I guess overseeing the ambulances that did get trapped and that did get stuck in the homes. And, you know, those were his buddies and different things. So he had his own set of like horrific things that he saw and went through, but I mainly communicated with them, but Mm -hmm. they got to see him. And that was a really cool thing. So after all of that, he still wanted to be Mm -hmm. firefighter. Yep. It came from like, okay, I know medicine, but I don't know. And I think even seasoned firefighters felt the same. Like, I don't know how to fight this kind of fire. 
you know, it was creating the, its own storms and it's like, it was horrible. And so I think a lot of it came from just this deep desire of, I want to fight the beast that tried to take everything from me. And I want to prevent people from going through the same thing. Not that anyone could have prevented that. you know the corporations but that's another podcast (laughs) (laughs) we won't talk about that today (laughs) but it for sure is you know i really lit that into him and it was cool you know he wasn't didn't go through the academy as a young man so it was a big deal how old was he when he when he went through the academy if you don't mind 33 34 i think yeah okay so my my husband was 32 when he got hired. Um, so and he had gone through the academy when he was 30, 29 or 30 later for sure. Um, so I think it's good. It's 100. percent Yeah. Gosh. So then after all of that, decides to become a firefighter, gets hired on with a big city, mm-hmm. and then COVID. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. Yes, that was fun. <laughs> the the cool thing that about that and going through what we just went was that my kids were like, this is no big deal. Like, yes, I they didn't know, you know, all the things, but they're like, we have a house. Like our stuff's still here. Our friends are still here. Like I just have to do school from my house, you know? So it really put a perspective shift mm-hmm. for them. Now the downside is like my fourth grader, this is her first normal school year. And a lot of that's because we relocated, you know? So, you know, you yeah, think about that, that, like, yeah. yeah, kindergarten was, the year of the fire and then it was COVID and now, and that's a big reason why we moved is it's, it was time to go. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. COVID doesn't seem so hard after your house burns down and your school burns down and your, <laughs> your whole world. <laughs> like COVID seems like a walk in the park after that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My kids were kind of the same. Like we'd gone, we never had our house burned down, but we've been through the incidents in Mendocino County and they're like, what? We have to stay home? Like, oh, nobody's going to ask us if our dad's going to die in a fire today? Cool. We'll stay home. Like, Yes. I know we were just at, what was it? It was a birthday party. No, I was on a field trip the other day. And one of the kids was like, your dad's a firefighter. Like, has he come home alive every time? Like, they're just trying to process, you know? They don't don't get it. It's totally innocent. But coming from like the kid's perspective, like I never even thought about any of that like there was no awareness that that was happening to my children until the until the valley fire happened and it was so close to home and my husband was actually fighting it and one of my kids came home and they're like i'm not going to school tomorrow Mm. and i'm like what are you talking about you're not going to school because my kids love to go to school do you mean you're not going to school tomorrow i just can't take the questions anymore like i just i can't i won't do it and they started actually having really bad anxiety about going to school during when there was smoke outside because the kids would ask them questions and they were totally innocent. Like they're just trying to process like, you know, Oh, your dad does this for a living. Wow. Is that scary for you? Like it would be scary for me kind of stuff. And the first responder kids don't know how to respond to it. You know, they're like, well, what do I even say to that? You know? So they started like just not even wanting to deal with it. (laughs) I'm staying home. We're we're staying home. (laughs) So the kids are good now and your hubby works uh, full time in Mm-hmm. Yes. So now he's learning hurricanes instead of, you know, when we move, we're like, okay, what are all the natural disasters? We need to know. <laughs> <laughs> and we're enough inland that it's, it's, you're, we're fine. 
hopefully cross on cross fingers, knock on wood, all the things. But so they, it's interesting because they have like engines that are tall. They've got like a floating thing. Like, I don't know all the names. He's going to listen to this and be like, this is what you call, you know, the devices that I use, but it's a whole different ball game. And they have to, you know, come down when there's going to be a threat of a hurricane, they go live at the station until it's over. Cause then you can't get to work if it's all flooded. So it's been interesting. We haven't had one since we've been here, thankfully. But so, but then it's over. It doesn't last for a month. <laughs> yeah. Or there's no, well, I guess there is a season technically, but yes. it's not like. It's not eight months now, you know. Not nine like, months now? <laughs> 12 months? Is there, I, like, I'm, I tell people all the time, fire season is a myth. It does not exist in yeah. California. We do not have a season of fire. Like, yeah. it's all the time. That's a fact. Yeah. yeah, at least hurricane has a quote unquote season. Although I don't know, we just had a tornado here yesterday in LA. That's what I heard, yes, yeah, bizarre. I don't know what's going on. I know, Mother Nature's <laughs> she's global warming is pissed at California right now. Seriously, the climate change is no joke. Oh my goodness. Well, so that's fascinating. So tell, tell, I want to know like, what is your, what's the difference between, or what do you think the difference is between like your husband as a medic? Cause was he like a single resource? Was he working for a department as a medic or was it like a private? Most of it was private. It was okay. the medic. There's an EMT, but he was the guy in charge. Like the okay. uh, firefighters were all EMTs. And so he was in charge of everything. And then when he, when we were in the Sacramento area, it was paramedic at a fire station. So that was the different, he really enjoyed that. You know, it was a bigger community. They had the family dinners, you know, like it was, it was more of what he wanted to also aided in wanting to become a firefighter. He gets a lot more sleep as a firefighter than he did as a paramedic. And so that has been helpful. Isn't that interesting? But he also, you have to think, like, he came from the busiest station. Yes. Yes. Well, my husband's always working. I don't know how it always ends up that he's at the busiest station in his unit. Like, I'm like, why? (laughs) And how does that happen? (laughs) Yes. This is the first time he has not been at the busiest station, and I quite enjoy it. (laughs) Right. I'm like, wait, you got more sleep as a firefighter? Huh? Right? Is a paramedic 12-hour shift or a 24-hour shift? Okay. Interesting. Wow. So that's the big difference. And then there is more community, I would say, as a firefighter. You know, it's more understood that your families come to the station, that you get to hang out, you get to know each other. And they're also around each other more. You know, as a firefighter with 48-hour shifts, like a third of their life is at the firehouse. And so even though it felt like that as a paramedic, it just was a different feeling, if that that makes sense. Makes sense. It totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to put you on the quickest hot seat ever. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm just going to ask you some rapid fire questions and answer them. Okay. What is your coffee order? Black coffee. I'm so boring. (laughs) Oh, okay. I've never, uh, I don't think we've had a black coffee response. I in nursing school. I think I learned to just drink it black in nursing school. And ever since then, I've loved it. So that makes sense. You drink it however you get it in nursing school. (laughs) What does the word leader mean to you? Influence. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. If you could say anything to a fire chief, past or present, what would you say? Or future. Or future. Uh, Or future, right? Probably. Or one that doesn't ma- doesn't ha- have anything to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would probably be just 
just love on your people, you know, like just treat them like people love on them. Mm-hmm. How do you spend your free time? What free time? Just kidding. Huh. <laughs> right now it's at volleyball games, baseball games, um, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. You're in the thick of it. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you currently reading? It's a book called who not how, and it's about, instead of asking yourself a question of how can I do this? It's who can I find that can help me? Like even in the book, the guy who created the idea, it's somebody else that's writing the book because the guy's like, I'm not an author. It's an interesting uh, little process. Do not how. Mm -hmm. Do you know who the author is? It's Dan Sullivan. There you go. Mm -hmm. That'll be in the show notes. Okay. All right, Christy. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. If you want to learn more about Christy, follow her on Instagram at khilmer. That's H-I-L-M-E-R. Of course, it will be in the show notes as well. If you want to hear more from us, subscribe to our podcast on any platform you listen to and subscribe to our website, dearchiefs.com. If you leave us a review, it helps us find, it helps others to find us and to listen to the podcast as well. We also recently joined TikTok. Because Audra is TikTok obsessed, apparently. Chelsea begrudgingly. Chelsea is not on the Tiki Talkie. Um, (laughs) Only the Dear Chiefs reels are on the Tiki Talkie. Okay. I mean, I'm on the Tiki Talkie, but I don't play on the Tiki Talkie. Right. You get recipes um, from Tiki Talkie. Okay. If you want to see our professional side, you can go to LinkedIn. So just search for Dear Chiefs on all of your social media platforms. And if you search Dear Chiefs, podcast you'll find us on google as well thanks christy thanks so much for tuning in find us on social media at dear chiefs podcast and online at dearchiefs.com. tune in weekly for the twenty-five thousand foot view of loving a first responder audra and chelsea over and out